I think we just had a moment off mic here, sort of. <laughs> I think that's the first time you have known what episode number it was, and I didn't. I'm always like, 27. <laughs> <laughs> no, we are, in fact, on episode 62 yeah. of Offbeat Tracks, and today we are um, talking about uh, a young lady who you, get, you, you just had an interesting nickname for her. The Dub D. The Dub D. I like <laughs> I that. I think back. I was like, what did I say? The Dub D. Yeah, we're talking about Danielle Dax today. Um, I want to give a shout out to um, my my mom's friend, Shelby. I, I strongly doubt he will ever hear this, but Shelby is the reason that I know about Danielle Dax. He made me a CD of her Dark Adapted Eye um, album uh, it, when I was like 15, probably. <laughs> He was yeah. he was trying to make me cool that young. So thanks a lot, <laughs> Shelby, because I still love her today. Um, she's she's something. She's uh, Danielle's an experience. Yeah, um, it's it's a lot. I actually when I was going because a lot of this I hadn't heard. I just knew a couple of ones that you had you know played for me over the years, and I saw a YouTube comment. That was like perfect because I was trying to come up with the perfect way to describe Danielle Dax. Oh boy, let me find it. Uh, hold on here. Oh god, this was she oh, wrote. A, she wrote a lot of notes about I Danielle Dax, like pages of notes. I'm looking at over here. God, I don't know what I was doing. She moved you. It's because you have and the same name. I think I was just in a mood when I did this. Um, here we go. If Bowie and Kate Bush had produced a child, this is what she would have sounded like. Well, that's pretty fair. I know it's pretty good. I, yeah, I think it's safe to say that if you like Kate Bush, you're probably going to like Danielle Dax. Yes. She's a little bit stranger than Kate Bush, I think, mm-hmm. and a little bit darker than Kate Bush. Yes. But it's it's the same kind of aesthetic, for mm-hmm. sure. So a little background on Danielle. Um, I think maybe we should just call her Dax for the rest of the episode. Because it's going to be confused. weird. Yeah. She has my name. Because you're Danielle. Okay, so she was born 1958 in a town called Southend-on-Sea, which is in Essex. Very British. Yeah, very British. <laughs> That's in Essex <laughs> in England. Um she describes herself in her official website biography as a singer-songwriter, multi-instrumentalist, producer, artist, and interior and garden designer. Yeah, I know. Which I love. <laughs> <laughs> it's true, though. Yes, we'll, we'll, we'll get to that part of her life. Uh, she, she notes that she spent the majority of her childhood with her grandparents and that her grandparents, quote, encouraged her love of art, nature, and the occult. Which I love. My grandparents never taught me anything <laughs> I, I about the occult. My grandparents were Catholics. Very staunch. Welcome to Essex, I I'm guess. I'm trying to imagine having a conversation with my grandmother about the occult. And that's just wonderful. <laughs> Have um, you heard of paganism, Max? <laughs> <laughs> um, Danielle began performing at age three on a uh, something called the South End Bandstand, is what she notes. Um, and she says that she was an orange jelly baby. And I had to Google what both of those things were. So South End Bandstand, I guess this is like the South End Bandstand. It's like in a public park somewhere in this town where she grew up. Because I, I looked it up. It's okay. on Google Maps. It's in South End on Sea. But there's this, this. it's like an amphitheater, an outdoor amphitheater. So I guess probably they had like regular shows in the summertime, just like you see in, you know, in most cities. Um, and an orange jelly baby is a candy. It's like a, it's like a little gummy bear. So she was probably like in a show with other kids where they were playing all the different flavors of jelly babies and she was the orange one. <laughs> so that was her first foray into show business as she notes in her bio. It was really formative in her future, as, no as ki- you will see. No kidding. <laughs> I mean, honestly, though, is like, is playing a piece of candy, could there be anything more perfect to describe like what Danielle yeah. Dax's music is like? There you go. That's um, it. She met a man named Carl Blake in 1979 and ended up doing artwork for him for the first EP of his band, The Lemon Kittens, uh, which she then very shortly thereafter joined. Which, by the way, Lemon Kitten, fantastic name for lady parts. 
a lemon kitten. Is that what that means? I don't know. But oh, I was, okay. It might. I thought you were about it to. Might, you but were like, about to rock my world. I, you know, it was just when I first read that. Yeah, I, was I, like, I, I agree. Lemon I like kitten. I like that. But I, okay, I, th- I really it thought it could be official. I thought you were about to teach me some British slang. We can say that. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. You know. There you go. British and their lemon kittens. That's right. Okay. The Brits love the lemon kittens. <laughs> anyway, continue. So yes, about. she joined yeah. up uh, with the lemon kittens band, um, and apparently, shortly thereafter, that everyone else quit the band except for Carl Blake. So the lemon kittens ended up just being her and Carl Blake, um, and that led her into uh, doing some work for a few other artists until finally her solo career uh, in 1983 with her debut record, Pop Eyes. Yes, which I didn't even get the play on words there until I said it out loud. Oh my god! Yeah, like it, Pop Eyes. That's, but so, yes. they don't even have the chick in there. No, but she, yeah. and she spelled, for the record, this is an audio podcast. Her album is P-O-P-E-Y-E-S. Yeah, like Popeyes. And uh, we also should note that the artwork of this was deemed so offensive uh, by uh, by some, I don't know who exactly, but some people were bitching about this artwork because it's kind of like, it's like, um, how would you describe it? It's like it's loose a face made of meat. Yeah, parts. it's like a face without any of the bones or any of the skin or anything on it. Like you see like an upper jaw and some eyes and that's pretty much it. Yeah, it's um um I mean it's it's oh, a, it actually it's she, a bit grotesque. She had but, an actual name for it by the way. Oh, she did. It was did? called Meat Harvest. <laughs> <laughs> I did not know also, that. Also a name for a group of men. It's like sausage party. Oh, would also a meat be harvest. Meat harvest. Mm, there are no. It's in the fall. There are no lemon kittens in the meat harvest. <laughs> it's in the fall. That's it's, right. It's a sausage party, on there, and then it's a meat harvest for a special it's a, autumn. A events. Halloween party with only dudes. It's a <laughs> it's meat, a meat harvest. harvest. There it is. Oh, I love We're it. We're so sorry, Daniel. <laughs> anyway. So yeah, I guess she she did a second version of the of the um, sleeve art, and it's just like her in this blue and pink veil. Very pretty. Um, so let's talk about a couple of the tracks on Pop Eyes. Her her debut album um everyone squeaks gently is the first one i wanted to bring up yeah it's a lot uh yeah what do you what do you think of this i'll let, um, you, I'll let you have the first crack at everyone squeaks gently i mean danielle dax throughout the career of danielle dax she's always experimental you know she always has that element she gets popular later but this is you yes. know she really has that element this is when it's like the most of the experimental so it's like not for everybody it's not really my bag um I mean, it's unique. I'm using my air quotes. It's certainly unique. I, and that's about all I can say. I'm going to get really bizarrely cerebral oh, on a couple Jesus. of these, and this is one of them. Um, I wrote that this song to me, I was trying to think of like a good way to sum up how I feel about the content of this song. And I ended up coming up with that it's about the thin line between self-efficacy and pride. So like when, when is bragging on yourself feeling good about yourself and when is it too much? Mm. And I, I like her tone to me is almost mocking at times in the song, you know, I but I feel like when she's talking about everyone squeaks gently, I think that she's saying like talking about yourself. Right. Um, so I don't know. I, I think that the really there's like this really personal production value to it. Like it's you know, she you feel like she's whispering the song right in your ear. Oh, yeah, that's it's the very soft. vocal quality. It's very like I had trouble understanding the lyrics just because it was just like this echoey like. 
That's funny that you say that because Screamy. this this one I think is one of her easier ones to understand. Like just in terms oh, of just understanding the words that are coming out of her mouth. There's one coming up. I have no idea. I think there's like three. It's like listening to a Sean. Paul I bet. Song. I bet it's the same one. We have. <laughs> yeah, it's like listening to Sean Paul or Rihanna. But yeah, I dig <laughs> this. I dig this. It's very quiet, soft. Love it. Everyone is pleased with himself. Everyone squeaks gently. And comforts in a friendly smell. Where each can dream the dreams that only beating hearts desire. Well, also wanted to talk about Here Come the Harvest Buns, which honestly is, is hilarious now that we've come up with a name for Meat Harvest. Also now, that's, that's when they're all, that's at the end of the night when they're all running away with their butts facing the Harvest me. Buns. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I started laughing after I said that thing about the Meat Harvest because I started, because we are in autumn and I'm just thinking about college football tailgates and I'm just like, Total Meat Harvest. Meat Harvest. Total Meat so, Harvest, bro. Anyway, um, yeah, here come the harvest buns, which is not at all the tone of the song. No, not at all. It's this tone. This is like creepy, right? It's so kind is of this like an anti-meat song. You know, is that what this is? I I, I googled uh, harvest buns are a real thing. Do you know what they are? Oh Jesus, this, this is going to be very British, isn't it? Yeah, it's what British people call cinnamon rolls. They call them harvest buns. <laughs> so, so <laughs> sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's a very good name for something, yeah, England. I, that was new to me. So I don't think that helps. Here come the cinnamon rolls. Sure. I that may, I don't know, but it's just like talking about like some like well, butcher and I th- like I think that a lot of stuff. I think a lot of Danielle's songs are more about a mood than they are about a specific like story or item. You know what I mean? I'll accept that. They're that just makes about more they're just about a tone. And to me, this this song is like. The tone of fall, because we're sticking with the fall theme. This is a very, like, fall-oriented album, right? But it's like, your mom has just baked you some cinnamon rolls. And that's kind of, that's the feeling that I get from when I listen to this song. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's kind of catchy. Yeah, it's it like, really it's, it's it's warm, it's, like, it's inviting, it's cute, but it's also kind of eerie. So it's sort of like, you know, that's how honey, I, feel. I made you some cinnamon rolls. And then I'm gonna murder you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Here come the harvest buns, a belly full for everyone. Clipped in rows, they're dominoes, they're sick as a pig when morning comes. Rum, bum, bum, flesh gun, gun. Rum, bum, bum, flesh gun, gun. So we're going to move on to Daniel's uh, second record, which is called Jesus Egg That Wept. This was actually more of an EP, I think, because there are only like six songs on it. Um, we're going to talk about hammerheads. Um, and was this the one you were talking about where you understood three words? Um, really? I guess see. that could I apply wrote... to either of the songs on Jesus Egg that wept. Oh, no, that's yeah. No, that's not specifically okay. this one. This one's kind of Bollywood, man. Yeah, it's that's a, a good way. To, Bollywood. That's I, a good like, way to put it. I yeah, actually, I kind of had things going in a playlist when I was like uh, show prepping for this. And I thought maybe I had accidentally clicked off of something. <laughs> and I was like, um, what? And I was like, oh, no, this is. This is it. Yep. Um, oh. Again, this is kind of like how we, we were just talking about how she sort of sets moods with her songs. Like, if you notice, there's like a hammer mm-hmm. cadence, like through the whole thing. Love it. Yeah, it's just yeah. kind of like this stomping, sort of militaristic almost. Yeah, it's fine. I, I dig it. Pushing up the good in 
Um, this track, Ostrich. <laughs> this is the one that I could not understand the lyrics on. Yeah. I listened to it like four times and was like, nope, nope, still nothing. Yeah, I kept trying to because I'm like, why is this song called Ostrich? I was like, is this going to be like about burying your head? Is it about hiding from something? But no, I could. I mean, you can barely make out what she's saying. Maybe though, now that I think about it, maybe that's intentional. It could be. Maybe also, she sang it. You know, it would not put it. I would not put it past her to have literally sung a song called Ostrich with her head buried in literal sand. Is ostrich another food term in England? Or also, I will or point a, out or a vingingo. I also thought that I clicked on the wrong playlist for this one too because when this started, it sounds like that intro is totally Toto's Africa, like but a little Whoa. different. It's very Africa to me. Really? Yeah, to me, it's like a little Africa esque. Huh. It's not. I, like, I, I did it's not, not ripping it off. By I did any means. not pick that up. That's very interesting. Um, I this song to me sounded like really early shoegaze goth rock yeah. kind of kind of music. So yeah, if you're into that, you'll like this mm-hmm. one. Moving on to her next proper LP in 1987, this is Inky Bloaters. Um, she's still on her independent label at this point, which I think was called Awesome Records, I think was the name of her label. But this is so, she's still doing doing her own thing on an indie label, hasn't hasn't hit big label production yet. That's coming, and yes. the, the sound change well, is very obvious when the, that happens. The, uh, the first two albums, she was doing like all of the instrumentation and all, all of them. the production. Thanks, that that is worth noting. And girl, yes. you can tell. But yeah. like, but it, you can also see, because she let some other people do stuff on this, and it's a little more evolved. You can tell that there are other people helping. She's still doing the majority of it. Yes, that's, but that's it, true. It's definitely different. So Big Hollow Man, this was this might have been the first Danielle Dax song I ever heard. It's definitely either the first or the second because their tracks one and I two think this on, was the second. on the CD that um, Shelby gave me. Um, yeah, Big Hollow Man. Um, huh. The first time I heard this, I was like, OK, well, she's singing about Jesus, right? Because mm-hmm. it's like she's talking about a, a big hollow man who comes walking across the sea and says God will provide the way and whatnot. But then. She brings up, I can go home to Jesus in the second box. So the more I thought about it after I listened to it, and this is like 15-year-old me processing all of this, it's sort of about like the empty promises of anybody who promises to be like a spiritual leader, right? Yeah, I give you that. You know, like whether they're a cult leader or whether it's like an organized religion situation or just anybody who claims to be all-knowing and all-powerful, it's, you know, they're literally a big hollow man. Is that fair? I think that's fair. There's something very similar in a song that's coming up later. I, I have the feeling of, but yeah, no, I, I, I love the production on this one. Like when I think Danielle Dax, like this is the kind of sound that I, yes, that I associate it's, with her the most way more poppy, but it's not full pop. Right. No, yeah. Very, like very alternative pop. Um, oh yeah. But the, yeah, like the distortion guitars and just her, like her wailing her voice, but it, it just, it works, man. Mm-hmm. It works. Thank you. 
I definitely also wanted to touch on Flashback because I think Flashback Flashback is the first track on Inky Bloaters. And it's like the first moment that she really sounds like a pop artist to me. Where she's actually yeah. where she's written a pop song. Yeah, I mean it's it's more fun and it's jollier and it's but it's still very weird in a lot of ways. It's still not quite there. Right. She's it's, still alternative. I mean, and yeah. That's but what this album is to me. She's never not going to be weird. Yeah, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. That's why we love her. <laughs> yeah. But I, I think that, like, putting in Inky Bloaters, like, if I, I imagine that if I was a Daniel Dax fan, and in 1987 I knew she had a new record out, and I put it on, and the first thing I heard was Flashback, I would have thought, man, she has taken a turn for pop. Yeah, I could see that. Daniel um, finally got signed to Sire Records around this time and would release a compilation record uh, that was called Dark Adapted Eye. Um, and this compiled a lot of the songs from the previous three um, works that we have just mentioned and put on my favorite Danielle Dax track. Everyone's favorite. Come yeah. on. Um, which was a single she had released that same year, and it was called Cat House. This is the first track on Dark Adapted Eye. And oh my God, this song. It's the bomb. It's yeah. so good. We've been dancing to this for years. For a long time. It's so good. I mean, it's just... it's. Imagine like if Giorgio Moroder... Mm. did a more straight up like goth rock song like imagine Giorgio Moroder without any electronics and a bunch of distorted guitars but the same like composition value that's that's the way I can describe Cat House yeah to me it actually has like it's like a it's like later B-52s meets early B-52s yeah and it's like in the video she actually has that vibe looking I love her little dress with like the swirls on it she's got like this big old bouffante hair, like it's weird, but it's I don't know. It's like the best of B-52s combined. And then Danielle Dax is doing some weird like vocals on it. Yeah, I have no idea what this song's about. I got no clue. Have never analyzed the lyrics. Don't care. I'm dancing too much. So Danielle would release a record called Blast the Human Flower in 1990. This was after being signed to Sire. So finally, we hear this big studio production value with her aesthetic. And it's sort of this very interesting collision of worlds, right? Mm -hmm. Because she's been so gritty and so punk and so lo-fi her entire career, even though she's had a release on Sire Records. We got the one song, Cat House, but keep in mind everything else on Dark Adapted Eye was all her earlier stuff. That they that Sire had just compiled and like released in a format going, oh, here's Danielle Dax, our new artist. So now we have this full album that was conceptualized, written, etc., 
all with the big, big studio production value. Yep. So it's very interesting to hear this side of her. Um, we're just going to talk about a couple of the tracks. The Id Parade is the first one. God damn, I love this song. The Id Parade, it's, it sounds a lot like Cat House. And it's about like neocons. Yeah. Which I love. It's like that beautiful 1990 moment where it's like, we've just been so mad at each other and let's not fight anymore and war is bad not saying that that's wrong but like there's no just in a 1990 lot of that. it made sense but... it's like mm, the yeah. berlin walking down we're still mad like, right i don't know like it's, <laughs> it's, it's yeah the moment. song the song is sort of about like you know you, you'll hear the expression the male ego a lot so i kind of like that she turned it around back to the id because yeah. she's kind of making this argument that these the men who rule these countries are driven by their id and not by their ego, yeah. which I think is very interesting. I, yeah, true. But I I think that this this song is a pretty good mark of what she's always probably wanted to sound like, and now that she has this big studio behind her, she can sound like that. So here we are. Yeah. Oh, but I ain't seen nothing, nothing. Just one more to touch on Jehovah's Precious Stone. Okay, this song. I don't know what she's against here. I don't know what she's arguing. She's like, I don't know. She's like, they're terrorizing the whites. I'm like, what? Who are you for here? You're like, everyone, every race be nice to each other. Everyone's mean to the whites. I'm like, hold on here. What are you? Yeah. I don't know what this is. Yeah. Or. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I again, mm. it was the 90s. Uh, <laughs> people really hadn't clamped down on the whole reverse racism thing yet <laughs> and told these people who say things like this that they're stupid. Um, I, you know, I dig the production on this song. Oh, it's, yeah, it's that's like fine. it's like early acid house kind of thing going on. Also, I'm pretty sure I caught a sample of uh, Play That Beat Mr. DJ by really? GLOBE and the WizKid, I think. Mm. Um, but yeah, this is this is a weird one. I just noticed something though. I, I want to make one more comment about mm. that song because mm-hmm. the id parade. I didn't even notice that I did this with the two songs that I picked, but in the id parade, obviously we have the id, and in this one she's talking about the ego of white supremacists. <gasps> wow, oh. maybe it's. Hmm. I didn't even think. Now about we gotta. It, it makes me want to recomb the album and see if she talks about the super ego anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> maybe it's the ego. That, I don't know. I don't. The terrorize the whites thing is very. Anyway. I'm stopping with that. I thought, is it terrorize the whites? I thought it was it's terrorize like, the weak because she's talking about the ego of white supremacists. It could be, but I looked up the lyrics because I was like, what the hell is she saying? And it says terrorize the whites. Maybe, maybe that <laughs> lyric on. site was wrong. Maybe that lyric site was wrong. Hold on. We're Googling this now. Oh my God. Is, <laughs> did Breitbart change the lyrics to this to fit an agenda? <laughs> uh, cast, the Russians? It says cast dispersions terrorize the weak. <laughs> Race relations on a losing streak. I sort of got the one I saw said terrorize the whites. Pl- 
apply the bloated ego of a white supreme. So she is ta- she is anti white oh. supremacy. Okay, so she's Making she's Antifa. Yeah. Yes. Okay, that makes. Sorry, Danielle. I did not sorry. mean to lump you. We didn't mean to lump you in with the. I'm sorry. The so, the the both sides are bad people. Sorry, uh, we didn't mean to lump you in with those morons. Yeah. Sorry. The site was updated by Steve Bannon and. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What site were you on? Breitbart, BreitbartLyrics.com. <laughs> anyway. Alt W R I T E dot com. Anyway, so that's Alt Right Lyric Sites. Okay. Yeah, I imagine alt right people probably don't like Daniel Dax very much. They they're like still stuck. She's too on. cool. You fuckers can't have her. Who's the ultimate alt right artist? Oh man. That's a good one. We Let's think on that for next week. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Tweet us and see what you think about that. The, the ultimate, ultimate alt-right artist. I like that. Yeah. Uh, before we wrap up, though, I do want to uh, touch on where Danielle has been since um, since her recording career. Uh, she notes on her website, and I, I did not know this till I researched for this show, but she apparently suffered from a, quote, long illness, which severely oh. limited her output in the 1990s. Um, but she seems to have found some respite in doing interior design. Um, in 1997, she actually won BBC's Designer of the Year Award for interior design. Um, it looks like she also did some spoken word performances in the uh, in the 80s. She and her husband kind of um, reworked some of her songs and then made them kind of a spoken word presentation. I'm not surprised. Which probably, I would guess, was due to illness limitations. And so I think she probably just wanted to, to perform again. That was kind of her way around that, which I think is really cool. Um, but uh, she notes on her site that she continues designing, painting, and making music at her home in London, where she lives with her husband, Adrian, and four cats. Aww. So she's still around, still updating her site and whatnot. Um, That's cool. Yes. Hope hope she gets better enough to make another album again one day. Um, yeah, I want to know what uh, what you think the ultimate alt-right band is. That's hilarious. Tweet us uh, at <laughs> Offbeat Tracks uh, and let us know what you think and about that. if you that. come across any lyric sites... That clearly are <laughs> updated by crazy people. <laughs> TikiTorchParole.com. <laughs> oh, man. All right. You can Sorry. also hit us up on our website, which is offbeattrackscast.com. We're on Twitter, too, as, you know, with all the other Antifa. Yes, um, that's right. At Offbeat Tracks. We'll talk to you next week. See ya. Yeah.